Our scripture reading is John chapter 15, verse 17 verses. John chapter 15. And uh, our uh, preaching text is from verse 12 to 17, but for the sake of context, I will start to read uh, from the beginning of the chapter. This is the word of God. I am the true vine, and my father is vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. From here, our preaching text. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. As all of us know, COVID has given a severe headache to the Church of Jesus Christ. And maybe some of you already heard the word COVID, then again, right? But when I use the term the Church of Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about a particular congregation or a particular denomination like ARP. I'm more thinking about the Church of Jesus Christ in general sense. The Church of Jesus Christ, after COVID happened, has wrestled with a series of questions. Like what is the relationship between the state and the church? 
in this time, the church, do they have to open the door? If they do, then when? If they do and they know the date, then how to regulate it? Or what about this? Is vaccine good or bad? Bad, Right? In the middle of all these questions, we are often confused. We often heard lots of different opinions. But one thing we must remember is this. The truth is simple. Because our God is simple. God is one then the gospel is one. Then the church which is built on the gospel is one. And the mission of the church should be simple and one. So in our text, John 15, it is the part of the farewell discourse from chapters 13 to 16. And it is called the farewell discourse simply because this is the last teaching of Jesus Christ to his disciples. So before he went back to God the Father through the cross, there were some few things Jesus must teach to his disciples. And one of them was about the doctrine of the church. And our chapter 15 is talking about that. And before he teaches about the doctrine, he also taught about the Holy Spirit in chapter 14. Because our Savior is not going to be with his 11 disciples except for Judas physically, right? So through the Spirit, our Savior will dwell with his disciples and his people. Now, as a side note, whenever we read John chapter 15, we must understand that as you heard, you heard lots of you, you, you. But in Greek, all of them are in plural. So Jesus called the 11 disciples as a group, you all, you all, you all. So in other words, in Jesus' mind, he thought about his own church when he gave this instruction in John chapter 15. So before we get into our text, verse 12 to 17, let's briefly touch the previous part. First, uh, verse 1 to 8 is talking about Jesus himself is the foundation of the church. And the summary of it is verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. So the point is very simple. If the church does not abide in Jesus that should not be called the church, right? Because Jesus Christ is the foundation and the root of the church. He is the vine, and we are the branches. And secondly, from verse 9 to 11, he's talking about the vitality, the life of the church. Verse 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So Jesus is talking about that his love and obedience go together. 
His obedience is an expression of his love. To put it another way, the love toward God motivates the church to listen, to obey God's commandment, God's word. So if the church doesn't abide in the love of God, then that church is withered. So now, after the foundation and the life, we are going to the third part, our text, verse 12 to 17, the single mission of the church. And I want to talk about three points. What is the mission and why we need to do that and how to do that? What, why, and how? So what is the mission? First two verses, 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. When our Savior used the term love, it's not easy and fun as the world suggested to us. The world says love means feels good or feels right. When our use the term love, it's very serious and heavy. Our Savior didn't say that this is my commandments, right? It's a singular. In verse 10, he used, when he used the commandment, he used plural. In a sense, it's the whole the law of God. And he packed all the law and shows the essence of the law of God and says, love one another. But also he says, this is my commandment, right? This is personal command to his church and say, you all love one another. Then how does Jesus' love look like? Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So when our Savior says, you all love one another, he means that you all give yourselves to one another. To put it strongly, you all die for each other, one another. Because the cross of Jesus Christ is a definitive manifestation of his love. So when our Savior gives this single commandment, you all love one another, this is very heavy and serious matter, as you see. Now, to the second point, that why should the church have to do the mission? Before jumping into the verse 14, let's notice that at the end of the verse 13, there is a specific object of Christ's love. His friends. And then verse 14 says, You all are my friends if you do what I command you all. Continues, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you all friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So according to our Savior, there's a difference between the servant and friend. The servant does not know what his master is doing, but the friend does know. So if we step forward, there's a qualitative difference in terms of obedience of servants and friends. 
When servant obey his master, his obedience, in a sense, is mindless because he did not see the point of his master's commandment. In other words, the servant's obedience is a blind submission, which the Bible never teaches. But on the other hand, when friends hear his master's command, he listen to it, he understand, and willingly and lovingly obey his master because he know why his master command give this specific commandment. And the friend knows the heart of his master. That's why he's willing to obey his master. So if you will, Jesus' point here is something like this. My friends, you'll know why I'm going to suffer. You'll know why I'm going to be persecuted and die for you. That's because my Father loves you all. And so I love you. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you all. So my friends, do you know the will of your master? Do you know his heart? Do you understand God the Father chosen his own children in Christ and he did not spare his son and sending him to die for his children? Do you know the will of the son who was willing to become like us through the incarnation and he learned obedience from what he suffered? He was willing to die for all those who come to him. He desires to receive all who call the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him. So if we know as a church the love of God in Jesus Christ, we must execute the mission of the church, that is, to love one another. Now, before we jump into the third point, how we should do the uh, church mission, I think there is a one application to directly, uh, yeah, one application to direct to the church uh, leaders. And I'm thinking when I say the term the ch- church leaders, I'm thinking about the elders and deacons at the same time. The reason is that when our savior savior talks about uh, this John chapter 15. His first audience was the first disciples, right? And they are the leaders of the church at that time. But I intentionally included deacons, not because deacons are elders. There is not because uh, deacons share the keys of the kingdom like elders. You know, like deacons does not render a judgment in a matter of faith or doctrine or worship but because deacons and elders both are doing a spiritual duty. When you go to Acts 6, 
the description of the elders are, they are the one who is full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. Just as much as elders are, right? Children, your deacons are not some maintenance guy in the church. They are spiritual men. They have a holy duty. You should respect them just as much as you respect your elders. Because the elders minister to the spiritual need of the church, but deacons do the physical need of the church. But both duty are equally spiritual. So coming to the church leaders once again, and most of church leaders here are way older than me, so by years of experience, you all know that one of the major hindrances to serve God's people is that is lack the lack of love. Elders, when you visit uh, your ship, and sometimes you really want to sympathize them, understand their situation, and you want to give your heart to them. But by in sinful nature, you know you can't. Your heart doesn't move. Deacons, when you make a decision in your deacon uh, meeting and decided that this is the way to minister this specific group of people or one person, and maybe on the way back home, you might think, I'm not sure if that really manifests the love of God. Yes, I do my best, but still there are so many vague things. I'm not sure this is the right way to love God and to love God's people. And congregation, the Bible teaches that we are supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Do we do that? Romans 12 also says that let your love be genuine. And New King James says let your love without hypocrisy. But the Greek term there, genuine or without hypocrisy, woodenly could be translated something like without acting like an actor. My friends, how many times do we act like an actor as if we have the love of God? As if we really understand what your brothers and sisters are speaking? Our heart in our sin is so dark, so cold, so dry. Without Jesus Christ, outside of Him, we are like the branch which are withered. But here's the good news. In Jesus Christ, in Him, we are gentle, we are warm, we are loving. When we trust our Savior Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit revives our heart and stirs up our hearts. And the love of Jesus Christ springs up in your heart. That's why in verse 9, it's not our text, I know, but in verse 9 says, 
As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. It's such an encouraging word. Jesus didn't command you, abide in your word. Abide in your love. Abide in my love. When we serve God's people, when we love your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, that's not your love. That's Christ's love. And Christ gave that love to you in your heart. And you use that divine love to serve the people of God. It's a joy and honor to love one another. In doing so, we love our Savior, Jesus Christ, as we keep his commandment. Now, we are jumping into the third point. If we know what is the mission to love one another and why we need to do that, because we know the love of God, then how to do that? Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. I will stop right here. Here is the language of love once again, right? You did not choose me. You did not love me first, but I chose you. But I love you first and appointed you. Appointed for what? For the mission, right? So God loved us first so that we love one another. And then our Savior continues. That you should go and bear much fruit. Uh, sorry, bear fruit. And I will stop here again. This is the first way how to love one another. Go and bear fruit. And what does it mean by bear fruit? Simply speaking, it, is, it means to keep his commandment. So the, we, in our obedience, we manifest the word of our Savior. So that's why in verse 5, earlier he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. Then what kind of fruit? Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So we bear the word of Jesus as we obey, as we love one another. Then here's the second application for us in terms of go and bear fruit. When you think about the mission of the church, what you normally think, and probably most of you think about the foreign mission, right? To go to a dark place and serve them or the, uh, preach the gospel to unbelievers. So evangelism is important, yes. For remission, yes, we must do that. But let us think shortly. When Jesus says, love one another to the first to 11 disciples in Jesus' time, who is one another to the disciples? Isn't it the 11 disciples themselves? Then who is your one another? Yeah, it's the person right next to you, right? When our Savior says one another, it is the household of God, household of faith, starting from your spouse, your children, your parents, your extended family, your pastor, your elders, your deacons, all the members of the church, they are your one another. And notice, Jesus also says, go and bear fruit, right? 
my friends. I know sometimes it is really hard to love one another in the church. And my pastor, um, the, you know, I'm doing my internship down there. Uh, my pastor Andrew says, yeah, sometimes uh, loving on love, yeah, lo- to love on loving sheep is not an easy thing. And you'll know, have that experience, right? When you are trying to love the one who hurts you, or who did some backbite, I don't know. Maybe it is really hard to love him. But our Savior says, go and bear fruit. Your mission field, yes, foreign mission is important. But in a sense, your mission field is right here, the place you are. And love them and give yourself to them. And maybe you say, yeah, but still it's real hard to love those who hurt me first because I'm the offended. But you know what? Jesus is the offended, and we are the offender. We sinned first. And the biblical doctrine of reconciliation always consistently teaches that the offended one comes to the offender first. Jesus comes to us first and died for us. This is a beautiful way to bear the one who hurts you, who makes you mad. Now, there is a second way to execute the church mission, and I, I will continue to read verse 16. So go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So when Jesus says, your fruit should abide, so in other words, God will preserve our love, so that, right, so that is the language of result, right, so that we produce prayer. Then maybe some of you could think it's, doesn't I can't click that. Go and bear fruit, like love one another, and God preserve our love and pray. What is the point? I think the bottom line of Jesus' teaching here is that God encourages us to execute the mission of the church, especially as we love one another in prayer. When Jesus talked about prayer here, he didn't Talk about a weak prayer. Listen to the language once again. Whatever you all ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you all. This is a powerful Christian prayer. A powerful prayer that made in in Jesus' name, and the Father hears it and fulfills So our Savior encouraged us to pray in love. So our our last application would be then how to love one another in prayer. Here, when Jesus talked about prayer, for him, prayer was the highest expression of his love. 
J.C. Ryle says something like this, The one who loves me best is the one who loves me in his prayers. Jesus Christ is praying for the church without ceasing. Jesus Christ loves his church in prayer, even now in heaven. Do you realize that? Hebrews 7 verse 25, So he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. In a sense, Jesus always loves his church as he prays for her. So when we pray for one another, we resemble the love of our Savior. Because he shows the example in heaven now as he prays for us. But we know that. What is the problem? The problem is we don't pray. Specifically in this context, the problem is we don't pray for one another that much. And why don't we pray for one another? Yeah, first one is our sinful nature, right? We are selfish. We often forget to pray for one another, including myself, right? So I'm not, what I'm saying is I'm not free from the guilt. But secondly, the reason why we don't pray for one another is because praying for others asks you to give up something from you. The most apparent one is your time. We are all busy. Maybe some of you struggle to have a, your own devotional life in the morning or in the evening, and you don't have enough time to pray for yourself. But on top of that, pray for others. That means you have to set apart some of your precious time to pray for others. In doing so, you love them. It's such a beautiful thing in a sense. As you set apart your precious time and give it to your brothers and sisters. But third reason, I think probably this is the most significant one, is that prayer is such a hard labor of your soul. Yeah, in order to pray for others, we have to spend our own time. But sometimes, we also need to spend our energy, our emotion, even our tears. Especially when the situation is really uh, rough, the situation of the one you pray. And in your experience, you know that in that situation, when you are trying to pray, you don't know how to start. You want to pray, but you don't know with what word you are supposed to begin. So sometimes we have to force ourselves to engage that situation in our prayer so that may the Holy Spirit teach us how to pray. Sometimes 
in order to love others, love one another, we have to suffer with them and to groan for them. As we suffer and groan, may the Holy Spirit teach us in our heart how to pray and how to love in our prayers. So we all know this day we live in a very confusing, controversial time. We often find ourselves, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm not sure what the church is doing is right. But the Bible gives very simple mission to the church. Love one another. And particularly in our text, as we pray. Brothers and sisters, but lastly, let us remember that our Savior calls us friends. He didn't merely call us servants because we are the fellow workers of Jesus Christ. As he calls us friends, he invites us to love one another together. As he calls us friends, he invites us to work together, to pour out our heart together as he does in heaven. So this is my challenge this morning. Are you willing to accept the invitation of Jesus Christ? If you do, let us love one another in Christ, particularly as we pray in love. Let us pray. Our God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this precious truth. It is our joy that we can resemble your love as we pray for one another. Lord, we pray that may you improve our faith. May you improve our devotional life daily. May you improve our prayers. Help us to pray well. Teach us how to pray in love. Day by day, we die unto sin and we live unto righteousness by faith. O oh Lord, let us taste the grace of God as we improve our prayer, as we pray in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.